We're very thankful today to be joined by former Massac County State's Attorney and now Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst. Representative, thank you for your time. Thank you, Will. Appreciate the opportunity. The uh, court system had its say late Friday on the Illinois assault weapons ban that was recently signed into law, and a judge in Effingham County has ruled that the law is unconstitutional and issued a temporary restraining order. So for the layman, what exactly does that mean? Well, uh, the, a temporary restraining order is uh, often an initial court proceeding done on a temporary basis by its name very quickly after a case is filed. If there are certain rights of the plaintiffs that need to be protected and, and vindicated initially, you know, if there is a, let's just use an example, there's a, a car accident where someone's injured, uh, there would be a lawsuit. There's really not a need for a temporary restraining order because you're essentially fighting over money that will be awarded later uh, after the case is resolved. Here, this is uh, we're dealing with a case. It's a vindication of constitutional rights. And so each day that the there is not that vindication means those rights are being violated. So a temporary restraining order and later potentially an injunction uh, would be given to protect those rights while the case proceeds through the court system. And this particular ruling, as I've read in various news reports, only applies to the 860 plaintiffs, uh, which include some federal firearms license holders and just others who happen to sign up for the lawsuit. And so that, to me, creates a situation, once again, where we have various people with various standing under the law, and I'm no attorney, but that surely can't stand for very long. Well, it does create a problem. Obviously, we've seen that play out with other uh, cases that have been noted recently in, in the past several years. Uh, what will happen ultimately, and I believe the Attorney General said uh, late last week or maybe over the weekend that he will be appealing that order. Uh, once we have uh, an appeal or an injunction given and a, then an appeal, and a higher court rules on the the, the uh, court order, uh, the, the temporary restraining order or injunction, then we will have more general applicability because it will, if it's based on, particularly based on constitutional grounds, and that, that would be applicable to everyone even beyond that lawsuit. Uh, so we will get further clarification from the courts as we go forward, uh, you know, whether it's an appellate court ruling, an Illinois Supreme Court ruling, and even there is a State Rifle Association federal lawsuit which will provide uh, an opportunity for rights to be vindicated and then clarification as to who those uh, rulings will apply to. But you're right, as of now, uh, we have a ruling from Effingham County and based on the, the uh, terms of the order, it's uh, stated to only apply to uh, 850 or so individuals and uh, businesses. Now, ultimately whether it be the Illinois State Rifle Association or the NRA or various sheriffs or, you know, conservative state reps, a lot of people are saying that this is going to be overturned at the Supreme Court level federally. Uh, one thing that I think I'm willing to caution folks about, and I think that you would confirm, is that the Supreme Court at the federal level does not necessarily have to take up every case that comes before it. I think we have a fairly 
you know, conservative Supreme Court now, but that does not necessarily mean that this would be heard. Uh, that's correct. The U.S. Supreme Court does not take every case that gets appealed to it. That they, they uh, in fact, take a very small number of cases that ultimately are appealed uh, to them. Uh, I think when myself and others talk about the Supreme Court would hold this unconstitutional, we're kind of saying that as a shorthand for if you apply recent Supreme Court precedent to this law, the court would find it to be unconstitutional. We have a recent case from just last summer, uh, New York State uh, Rifle uh, and Pistol Association uh, versus Bruin, sometimes it's referred to as the Bruin decision. And uh, the court made clear its view on Second Amendment rights and how lower courts are to apply its standard, the Supreme Court standard under the Second Amendment to those rights and to litigation around those rights. And so I, we will see, and that Supreme Court decision is, of course, binding on the lower courts on, in our state on the Seventh Circuit and then on the Southern District of Illinois, which is our uh, district court. Uh, that Here's our cases. So those courts and the, the uh, State Rifle Association cases in the Southern District of Illinois, uh, those that court will be bound by the Bruin decision. We'll have to use the analysis there and apply it to the litigation and then whatever decision it renders will be appealed to the Seventh Circuit, which would likewise be bound by that decision. Uh, there was an assault weapons ban that was pending before the Supreme Court uh, when Bruin was decided, and the court sent that ruling back to the lower court to reconsider in light of its decision. The court often does that with, if it has... Um, cases along the same subject matter and makes a, a ruling or a, gives an opinion, then the other cases it may send back to the lower court to say reevaluate in light of this opinion. It's not necessarily saying reverse or change your opinion, but it's saying reevaluate. And of course, that would be subject again to appeal to the to the U.S. Supreme Court after that reevaluation. So we a lot of this is just we will see. Time will tell um, what will happen uh, with the court rulings particularly in the federal court cases. And I think, uh, I believe there's been news reporting that there may be a similar motion as it was filed in state court, filed in federal court, uh, relating to an attempt to receive an injunction on the enforcement of uh, the uh, guns, the gun control measure we just passed and are discussing. Well, it's interesting because you have some of parts of this law that went into effect immediately, and then you have the registry, which doesn't take effect for 300 days. I think most people who would own these firearms and aren't really interested in registering them, of course, are going to be able to wait those 300 days. And much of this legal wrangling will play out within that time frame. Um, but then you also have some aspects of it that went into effect immediately. And you have a temporary restraining order that I assume delays those from going into effect and so it just is another soup of legislation that leaves the residents of Illinois in this limbo to where if you really let's say I woke up tomorrow and I really wanted to abide by the letter of this law I'm not sure most people would even know how to do that well 
as you mentioned, any registry that will occur, it does occur later and there's time for the courts to rule and, and uh, resolve that issue before we get to those deadlines, I believe, at least with uh, rulings on uh, restraining orders and injunctions, if not an appeal, obviously, maybe longer. But the, the ban on uh, sale is immediate and impacting uh, firearms dealers currently uh, that are not involved with this litigation. But does and, this uh, does this temporary restraining order then today allow those firearm dealers to sell a weapon banned under the act? If I were a firearms dealer, I would I would be discussing that with my attorney. Okay, uh, I, I think that uh, would be the appropriate action to take. I don't you know think it'd probably be appropriate for me to give them any uh, advice, even though I'm not giving anyone legal advice here today. I don't wouldn't want that to be misinterpreted or misconstrued, but there's been a ruling of the court. It's possible that that uh, can be expanded to include those who work in the lawsuit, but ultimately and fairly soon because temporary restraining order appeals are expedited and they typically, you know, a normal appeal could take a year or longer. This type of appeal is designed to be a matter of months, uh, if not even a little quicker. So it's possible that we could have a ruling and more clarity uh, sooner rather than later. Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst with us. Uh, the Senate is in session this week. The House is back in session the week after that. Uh, is there anything teed up of note from your perspective, uh, either this week or next, from the Illinois General Assembly? A lot of uh, what occurs in the first few weeks of the General Assembly is organizational and maybe even considered housekeeping. So we have a deadline of next Friday to get our bill requests uh, to the what we call LRB uh, to draft the bills for us, put, put them in legal language for us to review. And then we have a later deadline uh, in February to file those bills with the clerk and then they'll be assigned to committee. So what we'll be seeing over the next several weeks is bills being drafted and filed, committees meeting and considering those bills. And then once bills make it through committee, they could be considered on the House floor and action will will start to ramp up uh, from there. Do you have any thoughts on whether or not the environment in the Illinois House has changed under Speaker Welch versus under the previous speaker, who, of course, we know Mike Madigan and Broyledon federal investigation, I think his trial set to begin on April Fool's Day in 2024. I just wonder if there's any palpable difference. You talk about the housekeeping and the filing of bills and all this stuff coming up. Is there a difference now as there was previously? I don't know if it's so much uh, the change in speaker from Madigan to Welch, uh, but definitely the change in the makeup of the General Assembly as a whole in the House, where now we will have uh, 78 Democratic members, and many of those who have been added are more progressive than those who are currently seated. I think we'll see a, a continued shift to the left on the political scale um, this General Assembly. So I would anticipate that we will see more progressive legislation come forward and uh, most likely be passed and make it to the governor's desk uh, as we move forward through the spring. And that is almost entirely based on the numbers and the General Assembly and the political makeup of those those members um, and I have you know, just anecdotally there there seem to be 
a shift. I served one term under with with Speaker Madigan as a speaker, and then served another term with Speaker Welch. Some of that we had COVID, so it's difficult to to give complete comparison between those uh, two terms. But that we noticed that shift begin to occur um, with the move to to Speaker Welch. But I think probably uh, it's fair to say that that was due to the makeup of the members as much as um, as any organizational structure between Madigan and Welch. I mean, a lot of times it's the members that are driving things as much as, as the leader seems to be recently. And uh, another thought that I had, we recently interviewed uh, the new leader of the House uh, Republicans, Leader McCombie, and um, she said she was going to be in your district uh, visiting various locations, uh, learning, you know, the entirety of the state. Uh, I wonder, have you been given any additional posts under the uh, in the House? Well, yes, I was uh, named last week, uh, actually two weeks ago, uh, as a House Republican floor leader, uh, which means that I will be responsible for organizing uh, the debate on bills on the floor and then leading the questioning of the sponsor on uh, many of the bills that come forward. Essentially, I'm maybe like its term, the floor leader, the person who's responsible for making sure that things go smoothly on our side on the floor and that we have... uh, uh, appropriate questioning of those who are putting bills forward and our arguments are able to be heard about why we're either opposing or supporting legislation. Do you have any plans to uh, you know, throw large stacks of uh, paper during any of your uh, speeches? Uh, not at present, but uh, <laughs> we have to get people's attention. So that's uh, <laughs> that may be one thing to consider, I guess. I only thought about it because I think that uh, former Representative Bost may have been in that same position whenever he was, yes. whenever he that was. happened. And so we Republicans are typically a party of tradition, and so I wanted to see if that was something being written into the rules, but I digress uh, greatly. Uh, Representative Windhorst, we appreciate your time very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.